0: This is Shaka speak.
1: No, I know. I'm talking about literally, this is literally. fighting. I
2: couldn't fight Joe Rogan. That <laughs> no, Joe Rogan would beat the life. crap out of both of us at the he, same he, time. I think he'd fight all three of us. Yeah,
1: and he would beat all three of yes. us at the same time. No yeah, offense, it was, Garrett. I'm just making an assumption. No, here.
3: I know. Go for it. I feel like there's something about a guy who uh, made money for a few years by standing by as people were stuck in coffins full of bugs. Like, there's a mental <laughs> health there. That it doesn't matter what he's up against, he's. That's so true. It. That's so true. You forget, dude is dude yeah. is the guy,
2: man. And he's yeah. he's he's his own um, enterprise man. I mean, he's he's done it. Yeah, he's like, the dude.
1: Inter- and like, and he loves uh, this. Yeah, that's you know that that's a good entry too. Loving what you do.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a <laughs> he's an endlessly curious guy, which I think is critical. So we are Shaco Art Speak, by the way, and this is Ryan <laughs> and Gareth, and we have uh, hey, one of my folks? all-time favorite people, Ron Johnson. All-time hey, favorite people. Thanks for coming, man.
1: Do I need to slide uh, the money under the table, or is got, it above the table? No, there's it's just a box my, at the door. Put
2: it in my, uh, my underwear okay. waistline. Mm, That's um, where <laughs> oh, yeah. This is going to be a wild ride, because uh, if you put Gareth, Ryan, and Ron in the same room, it's there's bound to be some tangents that are, yeah. are going to be... Uh, interesting that we don't even know about like oh, we're not even sure about we're along for the ride too let's yeah 100 100 yeah ron's got his um well we'll jump ahead <laughs> i'm gonna jump okay so let me say this uh ron johnson is a constellation it's my real name yeah first that's actually his real name he's never started any movies so uh but ron's like you're a constellation thinker though and i think sure. I, I do want to get in that a little bit because i think i think that's interesting in terms of being a painter I'm, I'm somewhat of a constellation thinker. Gareth is, is, is a constellation thinker, but he's also helps me dial it in. And so Gareth and I, um, I don't know how you would describe yourself, but we tend to have to, we tend to play off each other really well. I think no, that definitely. that's part of the beauty of our, our friendship and yeah. collaboration together.
3: Yeah, I think um, it's a, our, our, our friendship, I think, gets at what is really good about collaborative uh, efforts in art and design. Uh, because it really is something about like, uh, you know, other, other people bring things to you, uh, that you can't bring out of yourself. Um, and I think that's something that's really fantastic about it. Um, so, uh, we can, we can always play like, uh, the fall guy and the straight guy at different times, which is good. You always got like the good cop, bad cop at any any
2: point. Right. And just clarifier or, you know, kind of honing it back in. And so, um, I say that to say that I think this is going to be one of those conversations where, um, I think as you get through the conversation together, you're going to see that there's a really interesting landing point to where you're at Ron. And, it, and it's going to make sense as you accumulate the plot points, you know, like of your life and the work you've been doing. And, um, and so I just want to encourage people if initially some of the, the things we talk about don't actually seem to make sense. I think that's part of the fun and the surprise of this conversation is where you see, when you see where Ron is at in his current work, everything else prior to, it's going to make a lot of sense. It, you know what I'm saying, Ron? I mean, for you, it's really connected, and so I, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I'm excited about. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a advocate and super pumped about the work you do. Um, I mean, I'm also just a huge admirer of your work as a painter, but you're doing a lot more than than just the studio practice, and so. But I think before we get to that phase in, in where you're at currently, um, I want to hear a little bit about your starting point, your origins. Um,
1: how far We're, back you want to go?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, w- yeah. What I was mean, it? Yeah.
1: I guess, you know, I think the one thing you and I have connected is we both have, like, real sports backgrounds. Um, and I think that's... Gareth what, does,
2: too, actually. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and okay, So, mean, just, to, just to say... I, think, I, mean, like, I don't yeah. think
1: that's abnormal. Like, I, right. I think um, growing up, that's what I was. Right. Like, I was an athlete, but I was also always... Also a kid that sat at a kitchen table and, you know, did art or whatever, like whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a suburb of Columbus, Ohio, Um, played football, basketball, baseball um, uh, through high school, Um, quit playing football my senior year, even though I would have been the starting quarterback. (laughs) At least that's what the coach told me.
2: Yeah, but um, which means you also avoided being prom king.
1: Well, yeah, duh. Oh, which yeah. I, you know, I <laughs> you uh, lost I, out. I did. I, you know, like which is it's fair and understandable. Um, and could have been drafted to play baseball out of high school, which I really wanted to do because um, I, I'm not a good student. Right. Not, not in the sense that I think, you know, I probably have some sort of. Um, learning disability, but never was diagnosed or anything. But sure. I just just in terms of like what academia is, I'm not suited for that for testing or whatever. So I was like a C student, um, yeah. but my parents wanted me to go to school. And so I was going to go play baseball at Kent State. Um, but then the coaches from Kent State got the Ohio State job and brought me down to yeah. Ohio State. So what, Ohio State was literally right down the street from where I grew up. Wow! So um, that became, and I got redshirted. It was really difficult. I didn't know what I was doing in school. Yeah. Um, and being redshirted is basically you're just practicing. And yeah,
2: explain. I mean, if you're just kind of get what is that in layman like, what does being redshirted mean for someone who just does not know? it,
1: It means that basically you're practicing, but you still have eligibility. Like you have eligibility to play. Sports in college for four years, so right. red basically means that it never even existed. Doesn't count. Yep. Yeah, so you're just practicing. Yeah, um, and it was a tough year because again, I didn't know what I was doing. I was taking architecture classes. I, I why because it was somewhat creative, I guess, but I just hated it. Like I hated that really rigid kind of. So I was struggling in school, which is again like wasn't surprising. Like I just not good at tests. Um, I actually ruined a guy's career at Ohio State by I hit a we were taking batting practice in the Woody Hayes facility one day and hit a baseball and he didn't get behind the screen and I basically blew up his eye. Oh, my God. So yeah. like, you know, like all these crazy things, my parents were being were separated at this point, like which was difficult because I still sure. lived right here. So it was just like a lot of things just came about. And so the set we were on quarters back then at Ohio state, the second year, like I went the first quarter back and I was just like, I can't do this. Like I have no interest in, um, in doing what I'm doing because I don't know what I'm doing. So then I quit school and then like, then what do you do? And so like I started working at a record store, I worked construction, uh, joined a band, like, <laughs> you know, I've like always loved music. And so um, I started singing, started singing rock bands. And um, so that became my thing, like I was I, I was uh, a singer.
2: Did you find that so when you're playing sports, there's an immediacy to the experience, a lot of it. like the, like there's the practice and then there's the game and there's a kind yep. of immediacy where you're you're, you're fully activated. You know, so I'm thinking about that because I struggled in school, and so uh, and I. I had, think it's
1: pretty normal for visual people, yeah, to struggle in school because it's a different kind of learning.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it has a little dyslexia yeah. and uh, stuttered and a lot of weird stuff, but um, there are things that you know at the time didn't didn't compute and had to be in some class like some special classes and <laughs> that's what they were called and remedial classes or whatever I forget, but uh, something about being alive to the moment. And so then you think about uh, that in sports, but then you also think about that in music. And so performing, right? Like there's a kind of urgent moment where it's do or die.
1: Yeah. You know, I still, to this, there's nothing like being on stage. Yeah. That is just the weirdest experience. Like, obviously, like when you're playing sports, you're kind of on stage, Mm -hmm. but there's something, maybe it's just being a lead singer. And I, I was never... I don't know that I was ever particularly comfortable with it. Uh Like um, I had a habit when I was on stage, like when I was singing, I would tug on the bottom of my shirt or like strangle a mic. That was like my security blanket. Sure. I actually, I'm trying to remember. It was so we played in Ohio, but we played all over the place. But we played one night at this club. After Marilyn Manson had played, and he'd left his mic stand, and I was just thrashing around and ended up breaking it. And the guy came in, I was like, "That was Marilyn Manson's mic stand." I was like, "I was actually surprised I broke it and he didn't." But um, yeah, yeah, maybe. But yeah. I like. I'm just. I you know.
2: It's the jar phenomenon. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Who opens the jar? <laughs> He's been working it out. Exactly. And you came yeah. in and you're like, "I just finished it off. Finished thank it
1: thank you. off. Fatality." No, I um, I'm just not. I've never been comfortable in that space per se right but i love doing it like i you know if you were to describe me like i always said that i'm an extroverted introvert uh-huh. like i'm yeah. very much and then again i think that's pretty typical of art and i'm not maybe that i don't want to like boil it down to that like i guess
2: ashlyn browning says that that that's an ambivert Shout out, Ashlyn. Okay, that's right. She told yeah. me I was an ambivert. She thinks. I think that's what you're saying. Well, I'm so there just might like, be a I'm, new classification for that, actually.
1: I'm comfortable like being in a space and talking and and but at the same time, like there's times that I just want to disappear. Like yeah. and yeah. I I just think that to me, I think it's normal. Sure. But like, so being on stage was a weird thing because there was you know we were four like I was a singer, we had a guitarist, a bass player, and a yeah. drum and you know like i'm the one that's out front i'm not necessarily comfortable with that but i'm not necessarily like uncomfortable with it mm-hmm. um like it never felt weird but at the same time it's just like i don't you know i'm not trying to be the so-called rock star like i don't yeah. really care about like i never wanted to be the center of intention, but sometimes i am i'm loud like you know this yes so. And so people like. I was so glad when you taught,
2: taught in our department because I was no longer the loudest guy in the building. <laughs> people
1: like, actually yes. tell me they hear me from floors. Yeah, same here. Different yeah, floors. Same it's here. like whoa, what? Yeah. So
2: that's why you were. That's why you were singing rock music.
1: Yeah. Well, but so I like I just, I you know like I have not been in a band per se for, uh, which is insane twenty years. Um,
2: but you've been in Garage Band.
1: But it, well, I've been yes. So I still write music. Like, I, it's a love-hate scenario with GarageBand, mm-hmm. because I don't play any instruments. I mean, I can fiddle around on guitar and, and blah, 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 but it allows me to sit down and write and compose entire songs and then give it to actual musicians and try to work work it out that way. Like, I always think, like, I wish that we had this technology back. Oh, my gosh. Because I had always had these ideas with my, the bands that I was in. And I'd walk into a, in a room and I'm like, doo, 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 and they'd like look at me like, oh, <laughs> like, you're an idiot. Yeah, Get yeah, out of here. I, I have no idea what you're yeah, saying here. Yeah. 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 So it allows me to like do that. And I think that's, you know, like, and I know we've talked about this before, like being a, I, I, I think everybody's creative. So when I when I say this, like, but people that are like kind of in it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like they tend to not be able to turn their heads off. At least I yeah. can't, like mm-hmm. I, during a day, it's like my head is, you know, thinking about my business. Uh, it's thinking about music riffs. It's thinking about paintings. And then it's like, by the end of the day, like I'm not always necessarily physically exhausted, even though, I mean, I do work out every day sure, physically too, but just mentally exhausted, which is nice. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, I just wish my head would turn off. But yeah. at the same time, I, don't, I mean, I kind of like it.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's part of I mean, Garrett, it's funny. Gareth and I, if you give us enough time together, we're, we're going to, we in, invariably will start cooking up something. Yeah. Yep. We did it, you know, an hour ago. We just start cooking up. Like, yep. uh, I, sometimes I think pretty great ideas, but, um, and so that is, I think that's a part of the thing, man, is, is, is it is, it's like, there's levels to, it. I think, I think our, you know, uh, this will relate to later, but I think our creative, um, the kinds of beings that we are. Are inherently creative beings. Yep. At a starting level, and then there's uh, most so people that, stop. That's right. So we have the capacity to do it. We have the. It's something about the, the kind of being that we are. Human beings are creative and into a wide potential. And then then there's those that actualize that to various degrees. And it has something to do with like past episodes we talked about desire and this kind of thing. And so then you see people that start to really um, live more deeply in that space because uh they they have a vision for it, they see a relevance for it it it's it you know at a minimum it's benefiting them more than most likely it's benefiting more than just them and uh and then it becomes sort of the headspace you live in you know and uh and it becomes this uh fertile soil for for new ideas to come forward or new expressions and that kind of thing you know and and so yeah i think that I think that's probably an indicative in terms of design Gareth, would you say that that's uh something yeah, I, that you, I think
3: that's uh when you talk about things like, uh, with design, like people are always wanting to like boil everything down to the most essential part. Right. So it's mm. like, well, tell me what design really is. Mm. <laughs> and so yeah. you get like super sick of this question. Um, if you've been a part of the conversation for five minutes, you get sick of it. Um, but you think about it a lot. And I think one of the things I think about is, is design does have a lot to do with organization. And mm-hmm. I think we're very good at organizing things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we've also been hugely detrimental, Probably in the last 100, 150 years of really kind of pigeonholing this idea of creativity mm-hmm. um, to an extent where we have gone away from what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Where we're like, no, well, specific people the are the creative.
1: Acumen is say, I can't even say that word, but like we try to make it, I mean, it is a career, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, we, we do that, all of sure. us. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like we're all doing it and have done it. And I think it's actually a really healthy, and this, again, like I think we'll talk about this more later, but I think it's one of those things where it's actually a healthy thing to do every day. Mm -hmm. We talk about exercising the body Mm -hmm. every, all the time, but we don't talk about exercising the mind. And it's like research has been done that says doodling is like one of the best things you can do for your mind. So what if everybody sat down every day and doodled for 20 minutes? I mean, we were just talking about this (laughs) or two hours or whatever, you know, whatever it means for you in terms of mental health, Mm -hmm. like how does that change society? Like, I think that's, I think it's a really interesting question. Right. Instead of like, you know, taking pills. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you pick up a pen?
3: No, I I love that. I I think that's fantastic. I mean, because you know, how many times have we heard people say stuff like, Oh, I'm not creative. All I could do is draw oh, yeah. a stick figure. And I'm Absol- like, That's always like, the thing, like, too,
1: the stick figure. Thing. I don't
3: understand. Like, just drawing a stick figure in a, of itself is a creative act. I mean, when you think about the fact that you're looking at a stick figure. who wants to draw a being, stick
1: figure, anyways? That's what I always right? tell. It's like, yeah. I can't draw a stick figure. Do you really want to draw a stick figure?
2: That's a great so, response, actually. I, well, yeah, yeah, it's like, Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's why I got into design, right? So I could do like really fantastic stick figures. (laughs) So I feel like... Marker board stick figure drawings. I feel like it's a valid category. complex issues. Hadn't been explored well. (laughs) But I mean, like, you know, just the the extrapolation of like a stick figure from a literal person. Like there's a creative act in just that. That's right. So don't minimize it to the point where you're saying all I can do is that. It's like, oh, all you can do is abstract a form into another form. You're driving a car. Okay. There's a creativity to driving (laughs) cars. There's Absolutely. what it can do. Yeah, sports, is like,
2: sports is creative. Sports is creative. Yeah. I mean, how you organize your home. Yes. I mean, you,
3: yeah, that's what I was going to get at with design. The, yeah. Well, that's what
1: you talk about limiting, like how we in society now are like kind of limiting. Well, I don't even know if it's society, but there's definitely pockets of people that want to limit what, Creativity means and what's right and wrong. Right, there is no right and wrong. There's likes and dislikes. Like you don't have to like my paintings. Like as a matter of fact, like don't like my. I mean, I hope people hate my paintings because that actually makes me like as a former athlete. was like it it drives me. Not that I want them to like it, but it drives me as somebody that's like I guess competitive um, in the sense to make make it better, you know, and like, I don't even know what that means, like to make it better, but to, it drives me as an artist just to create more. Um It's not, it's not necessarily, I don't want to make something that they like because mm. I've never been interested in that idea of, well, what is this person? I, I don't care. I mean, I don't, like I don't, I'm like, making this for my experience. Like the fact that people like and dislike it, I think is actually really interesting in terms of the dialogue that happens.
2: It's valuable, but it's not necessarily the motivator. No. So it mean it's meaningful. Yep. It's meaningful. And I mean, I guess I think what I, when I think about your work, I mean, again, well, like I said, this is going to be a little more of a jump around, but, <laughs> um, cause we will, we can't help it. But the, um, the idea that, that somebody can both love and, um, hate your work says that the work is specific. Yep. It doesn't negate the multitude of responses but it but the multitude of responses doesn't negate the specificity of the work and so what that means is there's something happening such that it's eliciting strong responses
1: yeah and that's I and think, I think that's, that's valuable that's the value yeah exactly because if if somebody loves it or hates it there's going to be a con well like there's hopeful that there's conversation if it's doing nothing it's like eh, yeah you know and like that's that to me would be a problem as, as an artist that if it just like it is eliciting yeah. nothing like that's what I'm saying. Like a love hate as a two ends of the spectrum that, you know, tell me why you hate it. Right. And then I, right. I would probably love why you hate it. you know, somebody once told me that they, some of my older drawings because they're there's not a violence to them, but it's like kind of aggressive in sure. there Like I don't really like it cause it feels aggra- I was like that's cool. Like I like that. I like to hear that. It, it's not, it doesn't come from a place of aggression. It comes, you know, like.
2: Yeah, it could be so. a place of release. Right. You know, I think about your music. So going back, when you think about sports, like making contact with the bat or yep. hitting shots, there's a, there's an exertion of energy, a forceful energy, mm-hmm. but sometimes it actually serves to release that forceful energy in constructive ways. And so then, so then you think about that in music and there's, there's times when people say, well, the music is violent perhaps, or it's actually releasing energy Uh, in a constructive way that means that that energy is not being put towards violent acts. Yep. And so aggression as an expression is maybe something that humans have to bring out.
1: And definitely, yeah, musically, like I definitely write things that are probably on the darker side. Right. Um, And I was definitely a very active person on stage. (laughs) Like I would move around. Like I would just, I mean, truly it, it wasn't for performative... I was just getting lost in the music. Like the and what, yeah. And it, yeah. it was, you know, like again, like to me, they're just not, I mean, I'm closing my eyes, like thinking back about stuff. There's nothing like being on stage. Like right. there's just nothing. It's, it's just this weird, however long you play, like, you know, 45 minutes set just disappearing. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and that's why I think I've tried to start getting back into it because it's just like, I don't want to say it's a void for me, but it's like, man, I, like, I do kind of miss that experience. Like I love the idea of going to the studio and getting lost, but it's, it's a different place.
2: Sure. So that, so what's already interesting to me and, and has always been about knowing you, I mean, I definitely never got into rock music, you know, not as a performer, you know, like love music though. But definitely the sports thing, and did some college sports and high jump and things like that. And like I relate to the tension, you know. I always said that for myself, and I don't know if where where you fall in this, Gareth, if this ever a conversation for you. But for me, doing art and and having success at it, and um, in school, and
1: uh, see, I never had success. Yeah. In
2: school. <laughs> so I, you know, well, but the thing was, it was so intertwined. Like I said, I mean, I I um, did these Letterman's jackets that got you know, that blew up as like a business in high school, but I wasn't making a profit on it per se. But, but because I was also a high profile athlete, I was a marketing market for my own work. And, um, you know, that, that set a tone for me to go into the, the future that I'm in. But the thing was, I always, I've always said this, but, you know, and, and maybe this was just my perception. However, um, never quite felt completely at home as an athlete. Um, in, in some of the context, because I was the, the art, the art guy, but in the reverse, I was never quite fully embraced by the art, the artist in the school or around because I was an athlete and those two spaces were dichotomized and, and sort of pitted against each other in order to kind of, kind of create space. Like, you know, and I, I, you know, it's like, I wasn't, I was a kind of a, a moody guy, you know, like I did, I was the guy that if you, you know, I can say this now, I'm not there anymore, but you know, I was the guy that if I ended up drinking too much in high school, or maybe uh, if I got high or something like that, that uh, I was the buzzkill for everybody, right. because all the all the deep <laughs> the deep thoughts or reflections were suppressed because it wasn't cool. And I get I get like drunk or something, and then it would be like, dude, you can't stop, you got to stop talking about that stuff, man. You're killing everybody's high right now because <laughs> I'm like, you don't think about like dying and like. <laughs> Yeah, like how we're here, you know, like and it was like, don't let him. This, you stay sober because you're nuts when you're sober. And I was like, okay, we'll do that, you know, like, but you know, so I never quite was at home. I'm thankful for. I that. know,
1: but I totally, I totally agree with that. Like, I again when when I, I definitely would say that I was an athlete, but I was also doing this. I never, I I agree. Like, I don't know that I ever truly felt like I was in one specific camp, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is actually nice. Yeah. Like I never felt like out of place, like talking to the art dorks or the, or, you know, like the dumb jocks, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I I guess I was one of them. Um, But it, I, I think in some ways, then, you know, you have a broader, um, I don't want to say a broader understanding, but a broader kind of compassion for where people are in, in different their spaces. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, th- I yeah. think
2: about, I think about that with Gareth and I, like, I think I mean, you can speak to this Gareth, like, and, and I think you and I run, like, uh, I've come to a place in my life where I see, you know, I've talked about this in my own episode, just Gareth interviewing me, but that my past readied me for now. Yep, and so in some ways, it's like I was being prepared for the world that I'm in, where where Gareth and I can be completely comfortable working together, where uh, other folks sometimes would would pit their values against each other and never see where their common value is in their collaborative efforts. And so I don't know.
3: I mean, you've you've definitely no. I mean, like uh, I mean, my my way into the art side of the university is not not traditional, and so there's it's been met by a lot of. Uh, a lot of different responses. Let's put it that way. Uh-huh. Arms wide open. Just kidding.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> start, start
1: it
3: over. <laughs> the, the only good
2: reaction oh. <laughs> to that.
3: That's perfect. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so it's been kind of non-traditional, uh, in a lot of ways. And so I've had different, uh, responses from folks. Uh, but I definitely agree with that. Um, because I think that, uh, it is difficult when you're actually meeting people as people to hold on to stereotypes really tightly, unless you were just of a very certain staunch bent. Just yeah, it's a great let point. those just yeah. Define I'm not you.
1: I'm not interested in pods or no. like or silos or how yeah, you want to no. call it. I just like I think again like that's why you know like this is corny to say, but I think like creativity like really can save us because I, I do. And that does sound corny. I should but I think, like I think, it can benefit us, yeah. Humans, like benefit. I really yeah, think totally. 100%. that this, you know, and this, like, not. I'm I don't know if it can save ahead. us, but it definitely benefits us. Benefit, yeah. Save, yeah I mean, like, flourishes, I know, like, or yeah, I agree. I, that no, I agree. Insane to say save, but that idea, like, and this, this is kind of what I know. Again, we're jumping. My, my business is up about, it in terms of like being creative, like to benefit our mental health, and and like I think. The creativity again, like, is this like great, it's not about art therapy, which we were talking about earlier. It's, it's about having this proactive, you know, like, like you train your body every day, like train your mind and like go. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's, I, there's just so many components to it. I think that, um, I think are exciting yeah. about to think about. But yeah, I
3: think, I mean, a fantastic thing about just creativity in general is that, uh, by its nature, it draws other people to it. Um, so, uh, you know, some people could probably create a, a false history of creativity where they say, Oh no, we, we made creativity to be a thing that's collaborative. That's just what we kind of did. But I don't think that's the case. I think you could run a simulation of human history a million times and a million times creativity would always be collaborative. Um, because I think it is something that is very, um, it grows, it builds, it allows new things to happen. Yep. Um, and because of that nature, like it's always going to be something that brings people together. So and I that's what so
1: that idea of, of practice or training, however you want to say it. Like, yep. It's I, get in the habit of doing that. And that then like to see you like where things, I don't know. I mean, yeah, again, forming I
2: habits it's, is, is understated, yep. man. Yep. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, and, and so I think that's probably a thread that runs that's going to run through is you've developed habits though of working
1: And that comes from sports. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, again, that's why I'm, I'm always happy to say that I came from a sports background because it really trained me like to do things on a daily basis Mm -hmm. because as an athlete, you have to do that Mm -hmm. to get better, you know? Yeah. And so I'm. I'm in, you know, I, I'm in my studio every day. I might write some music every day, but I also work out every day, you know, so I am mm-hmm. very ritual habited, but it does, it comes from that idea of sports to me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, I have a hard time making really clear metaphors in my classes that don't involve sports. Mm-hmm. It's true because it's, true. it's it, it seems like such a one-to-one comparison. Yep. Yep. And then you look at some of the stuff about like within the science of sports and they say that it takes, you know, a matter of days or even hours before muscles start to atrophy that aren't used. Yep. And you apply that to things like creativity, yep. and it, it changes the landscape of how we start to talk about what professional practice looks like. Yep. Oh, man, big time. That's huge, dude. That's like, that's
2: a, man, we can go off on that. <laughs> so, you know, well, I'm <laughs> <so, laughs> like, dang. 16 so, hours 16 later. Hour, 16 hours later. Then wait, there's more. We're just getting started, started, started. But you uh, also, Ron, you, Um. so you're, I mean, you're. you are a wild story in my mind, especially if you don't. I'm a wild
1: story in your face. In your face, all up in my face. (laughs) Not just in your mind. Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
2: but you. So you. I mean, you move. So you're athlete, uh, performer, and then it's like to me, it seems. I don't think this is the case now, but I got to say this. I think it's a lead-in. It it would seem to be like a like a metaphorical curveball that somehow you're you're like this. you know a really incredible painter, and so how did you get to? I mean, how did that happen, man? Like, how did you, how do you go from baseball and performing on stage <laughs> to like making really contemporary painting in a really kind of sophisticated, what I'm saying is you're not, you're not paying, this is, I love real, I mean, I'm a very broad connoisseur of art. And so I, but I want to say that you have to have a certain kind of nuance and understanding to enter into the zone the historical zone of pain that you 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 live in. And so how do you get to that? Like what happens? Where how how did you get there, man? You know, school, like what what catalyzed uh, that for you?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a like it So I was singing in bands, working like, you know, crappy. Was jobs. your
2: shirt ever off? Yes. Okay,
0: good.
1: Very, very rarely though, because <laughs> okay. that's was a security blanket. Yeah. Um actually the only, this is actually funny. My total derail. I am sorry. I know. Like, see,
0: like, just totally, <laughs> right,
1: you see, I'm mean, like, yeah, that's what the Gareth time, wanted
2: me to ask you. The only,
1: the only time my dad yeah, is like, what What are you?
2: <laughs> but I love understand. how you're ready to answer it, dude. That's the thing. Hey, Ron, I, is, ready. Ron is ready. I got
1: stories. Uh, the only time my dad saw like the main band that I was in called 50 watt alarm clock, which obviously is a great name. Uh, was a, a show that we opened up for the Misfits and Megadeth. And it was only time like 10,000 people at this show. And my dad took a bunch of pictures for me, like I gave him a camera and uh, not digital because we're before digital. And he, every picture he took, I had my shirt on and I only had my shirt on like was the very rare time that I took my shirt off. And, I only and he had didn't capture to- it. He captured <laughs> it. What note. the heck? He took like, Thirty pictures, like the first two. He's songs. like, I'm not taking a yeah. picture
2: of my son with yeah. his shirt on. No, but
1: it's just funny. But of all shows for him to see, it was like this moment where we're like playing in front of ten thousand. Dude, people ten thousand people is a lot of people. It's it was yeah. wild. Like that's what I'm saying. Like this, the the kind of energy you get from like walking on stage and just seeing a sea of people. Like where do you recreate? Th- I mean, obviously in a baseball game, but again, like that's it's different. Different, different. the tempo, football.
2: the tempo and immediacy yeah. is different. So so. Do you, did you all, when you talk about your performance, was your performance galvanized as a collective, as a band? Like, do you think people played to the level or was the level of audience, did it oh, they overwhelm? Were into, yeah. yeah. I mean, do you think you all played in a, you know, like that changed your performance?
1: Uh Oh, yeah. I think, I think definitely there was definitely a little bit more energy because i mean mm-hmm. it's different than playing in a club in front of 100 people yeah i mean i still would go get lost like i think the next show we played was like 100 people what a and difference you know, yeah and it's just yeah. like but i remember like at the end of our set looking to the stage left and seeing the misfits on the side of the stage like you know Dude. their heads bouncing up and i'm like this is cool like the yeah. you know like you know, so I, yeah. No, so I don't, what was your question? I, okay. So, so, so then yeah, how, so, so like, yeah, it was about your shirt, but then oh, it was oh, really about, right. <laughs> they're really about the shirt.
2: It but. was really about how did you, I mean, cause you, I, you're, you became an artist. I mean, my, in a,
1: it was my mom that actually asked me, she's like, why don't you go back to school for art? Wow. And I, you know, I know that sounds funny, but I, this sounds so stupid. I never even thought about it. Like, I never, like, maybe, I don't even know if I knew that you could go to school for art. Like, I mean, that sounds so stupid. No, but, I think that's, but I it, think
2: there's a lot of folks out there that, I didn't know that. But, yeah, I, was, I mean, maybe I because, really because I was an athlete,
1: yeah. like, it was kind of, you know, well, you can't do that. You're an right. athlete. And, and maybe that was part of it. But, and I, you know, I kind of... And then getting back in school is like really difficult because like my grades sucked. I was actually on probation and Dude, me too. That that whole yeah, I know, see. It's crazy. I mean, it's it was that whole trying to get back in school. It's almost like they don't want you to come back. Yeah. Um, so I went back to Ohio State. Um, there's funny stories about that. Like I remember like one of the like the more important people that you know in in my world was Richard Roth. And he was at Ohio state at the time. He actually came down to VCU, like where Mm -hmm. I'm at now. Um, But he, I remember like going into the classrooms, which are called studios, but I not being from the art world would call them labs. Cause I, I, you know, I didn't know any better and he would always give me shit for that. And he's like, but at the same time, like I think about that today and and Richard and I still talk about that. It's like, for me, it actually makes more sense that it's a lab. Anyways, because yeah. I think that I think of labs as a place of discovery and invention mm-hmm. and, and all those things. So it's in some weird way, even though like in the traditional sense or the art academic sense, like I wasn't saying it properly or whatever, but it makes more sense. In my well, it's work. funny
2: because there's people that have come out and tried to create labs. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, so there was mm-hmm. a uh, intuitive rightness that. to it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you credit for that because that's, that was, and that was like back in 1973. Oh. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> when I was five, I was a super genius.
1: Yeah. I couldn't handle it.
0: No, but so, handle like, it. I,
1: yeah. So it I, wasn't 73. It was, it was not, not 73. 73. Ron's not that old. God, man, that hurts. <laughs> I know the gray beard. I know you, you know. It's my we were, favorite, man. We were talking about the dude look. I got to either. You just uh, got to own it, man. Got, just I, keep
2: rocking it, dude. I love it, man. It's iconic.
1: I need to get a bathrobe.
2: 100%. You need a <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah. you know, if I'm, the full dude,
2: yeah. the full, yeah. the big Lebowski, the dude. So if you look up Ron right now, he has a dude persona to him. I didn't, I, I just, I've known you a long time. I just connected that. You, you. Gareth and I are, little... Gareth and I are Lebowski fiends. So yes. you, okay. well, we, our radar tuned in, <laughs> tuned, in, turn, tuned <laughs> la, la, into your la, dudeness. La, 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, they're on a commercial now. I can't, like the first thing is like you immediately go to that. La, 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 la. Yeah.
2: But um, la, la. so <laughs> so Richard Roth, <laughs> yeah, in in Ohio State, and you're an undergraduate,
1: yeah. And so I was like, oh, definitely older, not super old, but older than most of the students. But um, I mean, it was a great, and that's where I actually in that time period, and again, jumping forward, but that's where I met my now business partner. Um, actually, he worked at the record store, but he was in industrial design at Ohio State, so we had that like connection there. So yeah, man, you know, I still am in contact with a ton of people from my undergrad. We had a really great, you know, community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I actually really, when I teach, like I always push for students to be in the student, the labs, the, the labs late at night, like together when there's no teachers there, because I, you know, Richard actually said, says this, and I actually say this in class all the time is like the student, you're going to learn more from each other than anything I'm going to be able to teach you. And I think that's true. And it's like, if you're not taking the time to be in the studio outside of class, you're missing. Right. So,
2: yeah, no, I think it's a huge, it's a huge component to the learning, the processing out what's being input output, the dynamism stuff that Gareth and I hit it a lot as far as community, the criticality of community and yep. and otherness and, and mutuality and those kinds of things. Talk about, um, so you, were you just painting then? Were you, were you, were you working across disciplines a little bit or was I mean, you're focus? forced to yeah. like
1: in some ways, but I mean, it was pretty, I mean, I was in the painting and drawing department, but right. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I guess I was never super, I mean, you have to take classes that are more rigid, you know, like a figure painting or figure drawing. And I think those are completely valid and beneficial, Mm -hmm. but I was never really interested in depiction. Mm -hmm. Um, I was more interested in abstraction. Mm -hmm. And so like, I always like really gravitated towards like, again, that goes back to the experimentation and, um, Seeing what I see. I guess that's Again one of the More interesting things To me is like Painting things that Come from a place That I know Where they come from But like What do other people see Like mm-hmm. that Because that to me Like extends the dialogue mm-hmm. As opposed to like If you're painting to fi- And again this is not To bash figurative work sure. Because I'm Super interested in Like you said Across Different Different um Areas Genres, like yeah. genres yeah Yeah this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like when you're looking at a figure, it's like it's a figure. And mm-hmm. it, now it's abstract because it's painted or sculpted or whatever in that sense. But it's still like it's depicted off of something that comes from somewhere. Whereas like abstraction is also depicted from something potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the questions are so right. So different to me.
2: Yeah, If I could say, I think uh, let me get my bearings together abstraction gets at now this is, so I'm, I'm trying to put this together, but um, sometimes people think abstraction is divorced from the world we find ourselves in. I would say the other, I would say that abstraction is uh, completely consistent with the world we find ourselves in. And there's a deeper uh, observable, not observable phenomena to the, the state of affairs, the, the laws that govern the physical world. And abstraction has the ability to bring us close to that, mm-hmm. which means it's not de- depicting what's most obvious and immediate to our eyes, which is super important. Like I need to know what a tree is so I can care for it, understand its properties and its benefits, and right? But there's still deeper um, laws, if you will, like the law of gravity. Like yep. there's these things that bear on us that inform our existence. And in in abstraction, in some ways, is a reflection of true reality. Actually, um,
1: I, I agree. Yeah. Like, and that's, I, I think that's what makes it difficult for some people too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like it's a weird, like you know, like pendulum on that where it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's. Yeah. It, I think it's. I abstraction also is difficult to talk about. Right. And I think that that's fine. Also, that, that you know, we we're talking about art in general, like in school, like. It's so, it's not an easy thing to sit there and talk about because there is no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. There's like or dislike. And that changes for everybody. Like, I, you know, we, we happen to actually gravitate towards similar yep. art, I think. 100%. But somebody sitting there, like, you might gravitate, not gravitate towards it. And that's cool. That's fine. Like, I don't know. I, I think it's actually really difficult to teach art. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it's really exciting because that idea of not something that's grounded makes it the, like the discussions are endless. Yeah. Infinite. I think
2: it's dynamic. So, I mean, I think that there's, um, us put it in real sim- simple terms in my brain. It's like, okay, so think of it this way. And I guess this is what I was trying to get at. Gravity, uh, is a, acting upon us right now. And we can't feel gravity. We can only see the effects Beneath of it. Beneath right? the
1: sun, the weight is a ton.
2: Yeah, that's a great.
1: I used that in a song once.
2: Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, so, But here's the, here's the cool thing. It's so thoroughgoing that it, it's actually stopping us from exploding and unraveling or whatever, right? Um, and it sets a condition for the entirety of the human existence in every possible iteration or expression that's followed from it. And so that absolute law, if you will, of gravity, has provided what seems to be ongoing, endless potential in terms of the way in which we can live, have our being, create, make things. So there's some kind of correspondence between the absolute nature of gravity. This is a metaphor, a little bit. So, so what I mean by that is it's an, always an invitation into the possibilities. Uh, gravity right. is is never limited in what it supplies us as far as opportunity goes, and so I think that as long as there's human beings, um,
1: God, I want to talk about UFOs more now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We
2: can get into it, dude. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and we're bending a reality and stuff like that. But so when you think about that in terms of like painting or art making, it's a fascinating fact that uh, we can come to this stuff and continue to just be surprised. I think, yep. I think you're getting at the multitudes. You're you're saying like. Uh, the right or wrong is in that sense is just problematic because, because part of the intrigue is the fact that new things are constantly cooked up and brought, brought forward. And it's, it's so elastic. It's so
1: like you have to allow for, you know, I'm speaking in the teaching terms, but anybody that's starting to create, you have to allow for that experimentation for them to understand it, like not to like, Nope, you can't do that because that you that's just wrong. It's for them it's right at the time. It doesn't mean that they it's good or bad or whatever, but that idea of that experimentation mm-hmm. for them to, you know, in the stupidest of sense like just to do a drip painting. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's the first time they've done that. Like the, you know, like do you mem- remember the, la- the first time you did something like that? It yeah, was like, 100%. "Whoa, what yep. is just happening?" Yeah. And and I think sometimes that gets lost is that understanding that while we may maybe are teaching or we're looking at something that we're like and eh, whatever but for that person that might it's be like it like the whole shift. world
2: yeah for me but, it was for me it was um you know i did a like a 15 foot self-portrait and it was like very realistic i wasn't and it it uh activated my whole body and it Put yep. me in the same mind space and physical space as like being a high jumper, where you are staring down, and uh, yep. at some point, what you are staring down. So, what I loved about the high jump is, is you are staring down a barrier, and you are competing against yourself because you always end in failure. Yeah. and so because at some point you strive for the thing you can't yet obtain, and and that was an exciting space to live in. And so I remember stepping back and looking at this huge uh, drawing off a ladder, and uh, it changed everything. I was like, I can't go back. Like it, it freed me from. But these I'll, constraints that I had perceived as real constraints.
1: I was going to say the one you, you mm-hmm. brought up the word failure, which I think is is an interesting. I, I mean, I love I love failure. Like, I mean, that sounds stupid, but you know, I like I always compare. You know, I use baseball because that was like my, my main sport. The best baseball players in the world are failing seventy percent of the time. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the same as an artist or somebody that's creative. But most people like don't accept that. And it's like we we tend to think that failure, because again, we're we're brought up in this in this world that if you get a 70% on a test, well, you're not that smart. Mm-hmm. And I think like in art, like it's okay to do that because it drives you, or at least, at least it should drive you to do something—not necessarily better, but different, or or add to it, or what. Like it drives the making process to me. It
2: Definitely says that. I think you can speak to this, Gareth. But it definitely says something about how much there is that we still haven't grasped, in, in, such that we should expect to fail, because the, the world's so wonderfully abundant with opportunity. Yep. The material world. I mean, world, earth, world. Yeah. And, and one, one, just one little thing is and I think Gareth, you have some thoughts on this, like, but baseball, the failures are integrated into the spectacle of the game. So we're, we're basketball. Like that becomes a part of the equation. Artists hide their failures. Yep. So exhibition. So I was like, in my mind, I was going, I'd love to see a show of, um, you know, somebody's cast offs. Yeah. The cast offs. Like where it's like literally, I mean, that would be so soul nourishing and demystifying and empowering. And, some of the stuff would would not fail at the level the artist felt. It just wouldn't be what they optimally
3: hoped for. And it would still probably be incredible to see. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, there's two things that come to mind. Um, I was uh, doing some work a few months back, and um, I find that watching baseball games is usually a good background noise for me to do a lot of design work. Because you you know it's something you can check in and check out of. It's a good four and a half I hour love spectacle.
1: baseball announcers. Yes. Like, I love it because... They're basically just storytelling.
3: They are. And it's great. So I was, I was unable to watch a game. So I, I was listening to it on the radio feed and Chris Berman was calling the game. And so this guy hits a home run and uh, the, uh, uh, the announcers like, well, we're going to get some of the stat cast things on that to figure out what the exit velocity Launch, was. Oh, of yeah. it. And, uh, and Chris was like, Yeah, I just feel like uh, Babe Ruth never really cared about uh, what his exit velocity was. Uh, It didn't change how amazing the home run was. Uh, I feel like somehow what we're waiting for doesn't matter. Um, You know, And in that moment, I think there's something there about success and failure that's really important, where it's like we've even taken something like a home run, which is a magnificently just ridiculous human feat. It's so hard to do. And we've said... But can we even parse those apart to yep. say which one's better than another? And it's like, you just hit a small ball that someone hurled at you at r- ridiculous speeds.
1: Ted Williams said the hardest thing to do in sports is hit a round ball with a round bat squarely.
3: That's a nutty <laughs> it thought, It's such That's a, a good, great line. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think, and Ted Williams, I think, is the one who said something like, only in baseball could somebody fail 70% of the yep. time and get in the Hall of Fame. Yep. And I think it's, you know, it says a lot there. And I like what you're saying, Ryan, about uh, failure incorporated into sports. Um, because I think there's a there's an insidious thing when we push aside failure in the arts, and the insidious thing is that there is an underlying assumption when we minimize failure that the things that have already been done and been successful are the only things of value. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that because we're not defining success in any other way than what has already happened, right? There's no way to get Which out is of that context. So yeah.
1: silly it, it is, and particularly in the art Like it's the value systems are how we judge that's again like it's hard like because i'm inherently an optimist Mm -hmm. and and we're not supposed to be and it's like i don't care like i am like i'm going to try to encourage somebody to get the best out of themselves i'm not going to tell them that it's right or wrong i'm going to ask them why they're doing something like if you want to do the figure okay well why you know not that easy to say that but that idea of like what are you interested in? How are you going to do it? Because I think when you ask, instead of telling somebody how to do something, ask them why they're doing it because then they generate more questions. When you're telling them something, it's like it kind of stops.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're like, well, that's not right. And it's like, well, you don't know me. You don't get to t- tell me what's right or wrong. Like I'm the artist here. I mean, you can obviously navigate through certain ways, mm-hmm. But it, I just the, the asking and I started thinking about like um, when we we're talking about failure and stuff, but also like vulnerability, which I think also like goes through sports, through art, through yep. being a you know, musician or what I mean, um, and like what. The allowance to be vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. the idea of, yeah. you know, you're talking about a show of the cast offs. Yeah, that would be probably more vulnerable for an artist than if something of what, what they perceive as their better work or whatever. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's still like putting yourself out there. Like that's a vulnerable thing, but like thinking about athletes do that all the time, but we never think about that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's like the literal vulnerability of an, of a baseball, pl- like taking, you know, like getting ready to hit like that's, that's, but that, the stuff that goes through your mind when you i mean it's uh,
2: yeah it's like these crazy conditions that come down to the pitcher and the batter and the catcher and to to, to various degrees in, yep. in, in
1: Oh that's the literal thing but like kind of that thing. that and stuff then, that goes through the mental That's
2: right. Issues. but then it sets that up though. Yeah, exactly. So, so what it sets up is all those in, internal <clears throat> conditions and um in a kind of We never, we never concentration. talk about
1: right. that, I mean I think one of the cool things that the sports world is actually really starting to talk about is mental wellness sure. or mental health. Yeah, it's How starting do you to define discussion it. for sure. And it's like, I think it's really nice that, I, I, you know, I kind of say it's like the humanization of, because, you know, like particularly in professionals, well, even like the highest level college athletes is that we don't, as fans, I am not particularly one of those that, but we don't give them a break. It's like, they're supposed to be perfect at everything they do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're not perfect. Like, why should they be perfect? That's right. And yeah, there's
2: a high, well, there's a weird, um, gosh, man, this is going to, again, there's a weird way. We, yeah. Tangents. We, we do this with athletes, which is very strange to me. Uh, we, Charles Barkley famously said, or famously said, I'm not a role model. Right. And, um, I get yes, it. yes and no, I get it. It's a really, really mixed, messy thing because we automatically the more someone's public, the more moral expectation yep. character virtue expectation is placed on them and so athletes are highly visible, and somehow visibility corresponds with character expectations, and so you start to see the person less as uh in the maybe the more contingent vulnerable state of just like flashes it like, because I can write a yeah, song, the, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm an a, a, you know, absolutized, perfected being. Like that doesn't, those two things. So it is, it is it, you know, maybe it's for another day, but that, that is a really strange phenomenon that occurs all the time. And some athletes are able to step in and own it. And I think LeBron James uh, does a yeah. fairly good job at it. I think he's one of the better I've seen being that he's in the discussion for all time great. Whereas Michael Jordan, uh who I grew up admiring the most um in some ways is is just couldn't he was not that guy he 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 commercialed himself as that guy but then he couldn't actually live up to it artists are interesting because we're not as visible no you know we're we're behind the scenes in many ways and so um you have to really dig into an artist's uh life to start to unpack what kind of character they have what kind of person they are and a lot of times we're, we're behind the work and the work is the thing, you know, and and then the the way the galleries, the way, you know, like we're a gallery. So we, the way we present, distill a bio and, you know, you see them in a social gathering. And so there is something about visibility and invisibility that leverages where uh, society leverages uh, a given set of expectations on, um, you know, on, on the particular person. Um, And so, you know, with you, you've, you've, to different degrees you've been in those spaces. And one thing, I guess, uh, thinking about that a little bit is, um, I'd like to hear maybe, I mean, I think along these lines, like, so you guys have worked with Richard Roth, um, and you guys are really close historically dear friends and he's an important figure to you. Um, can you just talk about a little bit about, about Richard Roth? I mean, for some people, I mean, he's deeply admired and an incredible artist. He's also a bit of a mystery you know <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Richard
1: Roth Roth uh no he's just awesome like I you know um
2: because he got you I mean I'd love, love to let this if you can lead us into grad school and VC. oh yeah well, well so to, he
1: so he was at Ohio State when I was there and for some reason like he really liked me um mm, that's which shocking is, like, no I know it's a shock I mean no, I, you know like I've i, I Super flattered by you know, because I think he's, A, an amazing artist. He's, I always say that he's he's the smartest person in a room, but he doesn't show it. So that's what, like, his humility, I think, is, like, one of the things that I really admire about him. Like, he's just, he's just a normal person. And I, and I like, I like that when people are just normal. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to impress you. Like, I just, you know, so I I, I kind of maybe gravitate towards people that are just, themselves as much as possible um so he actually the year that i graduated from ohio state was nine, uh, spring in 99 and he got the chair job at vcu that same year so we graduated at the same time however you want to say it and then he um he just kind of like threw out the the fishing you know he's like hey why don't you apply to graduate school at vcu so i did Um, I think I applied to eight or nine schools. I can't remember. Got into um, Claremont and to Hunter and here at VCU. Here, like you know where I'm at. Um,
2: We're at Shaco Art Space Studios. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But we are also a part of VCU, so it's all good.
1: (laughs) Um, And so I ended up coming here, which, I mean, it was a tough choice. Like I really, I'm not... Even though I've lived here now for 18 years, I don't consider myself an East Coast person. Um, I would prefer to be out in the mountains or out in Colorado or in California. Looking
2: at you, I'd never guessed that.
1: And I know, I know, it's <laughs> shocking. Um, so it was hard for me not to go to Claremont, but
2: was it Roland? Was it Roland Reese? I'm trying to think of who was there at Claremont. Um,
1: I don't know parents. if I remember anybody that was yeah, out there. Roland
2: was there. I think he's a pretty compelling painter
1: um and so i never really thought i was going to go to hunter but um i'm actually glad that i didn't because if i would have gone there it would have been like 10 days before 9-11 and that would have been that would have been like super intense yeah um i don't it would have been difficult to to go i mean it was difficult enough like wherever you lived during 9-11 no because no Richard's wife was actually living at the time down in battery. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Which is, you know, that's wow. right there. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And, but that was kind of the, the reason why she ended up coming down to VCU. Interesting. Like, you know, cause they were, they were, you know, just living. She had gotten a job at, I think Pratt or Parsons and I can't remember. Mm-hmm. So she had been there for a year um, and I actually, when I moved down to Richmond, <laughs> I actually took the rest of their furniture um, down to Richmond, which I always thought was funny.
2: Yeah. But I mean, you were working. You were working. Ar- I mean, you were already in. I was, in yeah, I was you in, were yeah. in.
1: yeah. No, so.
2: So VCU at that time was a pretty interesting place because I think Richard brought a lot of he fresh yeah, vision absolutely. to the school. I mean, significant.
1: Oh yeah, no, he totally, totally changed like kind of the dynamic um, of a department. Um, and then like, yeah, then graduated in um, spring of 2003 and they were creating these new jobs that for lack of a better way to say it was like the um, assistant chair, mm-hmm. but it was, what was it called? Administrative director. And he asked me if I wanted it. And I think mm-hmm. it was, again, like to me, it was like flattering that he had enough faith in me. Like, um, we just worked really well together. And so then I took that job and, and, you know, um, Richard and I really, there's a, there's a local developer in town, Tom Papa, and he's like one of my better friends. And the three of us started this space called solvent space. And I had, I'd have, have to look at the years. I can't remember. Um, incredible but, space. I mean, yeah, I was in, in inspiration. It is like, and it's, you know, like in some ways, it's like the grassroots of it. I think it was what made it really cool um, and on, on a super small budget. Um, but we did some absolutely insane shows. Mm-hmm. Um, James Hyde, Polly Afflebaum, um Katerina, Katerina Grossa. Yeah, I mean, Les which Fall. is probably the biggest, yep. uh, the biggest name. And is this is sliding. <laughs> i keep i'm like i'm just like hallucinating now um but we we're you know we were able to do these shows and it was a pretty amazing space it, it like it ended kind of around when the financial collapse ended yeah. and it was just you know we just couldn't afford to do it but
2: that james hyde show was awesome
1: yeah james I mean, james is I, I love that guy i yeah. think he's literally one of the He's more so interesting underrated artist, as an and artist, he, man. he completely is. Yeah. Um, and I again,
2: like historically, a, I yeah. mean, he should be in the. I do think when you look at his work, the longer I, I look at art, the longer um, his work, uh, grossly underrated. And he's one of those guys that didn't go through he a certain line, he didn't go to grad school, right? I don't,
1: he doesn't even have a, a degree, a BFA, yeah. yeah he,
2: he's
1: and he's, he's similar
2: to Mark Flood to me. There, these guys that these artists that just man. They have have a nose for it, and yep. um,
1: and he's he's again like James is one super of those. smart, absolutely, and 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 not just like visual smart, like smart, you know, totally. Just, I remember I, we walked. He's like a good buddy of mine. Like walked through the um, Virginia Museum Fine Arts. You know, this is years ago, and we were in like <laughs> I don't even remember what period we're in, but it's like, I'm you know like it's like. 1800s paintings and stuff. And you know, like, I don't know any of these people's names and he's just walking around. This is a blue, this is, and I'm just like, how Mm -hmm. do you, you know, it's like having your own art historian Mm -hmm. giving you a tour (laughs) and you know, so, but yeah, that, that space, um, it was amazing. Like, and again, like I'm always, I always just feel lucky that I felt like I was somehow was at the right place at the right time. And again, Richard, like, really trusted me, like, where um, he would just basically let me go do my my stuff with it. Um, and so then we started another thing with Tom as well called the Fountainhead Fellowship, um, which is still going on to this day at VCU, and it actually expanded to three other departments, or two other departments. Um, but we were the first ones to do it, and that was, you know, crazy times. Like, I was buying furniture, like, I mean, you know, just, it was insane of like the stuff that nobody really knows that I did, Yeah. but you know, did to like get this thing going. That apartment, that's yep.
2: the studio space, yep. the exhibition, yep. all the, all the vision.
1: And, and we've got some amazing work. people in that too. Like Amy totally. Feldman, yep. who's like a really well, I She's think blown up. the sculpture department had somebody that is in the Whitney Biennial this year. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's a really cool, um, Program that I don't think happens anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and then Richard and I also started a, a summer studio program that also is now continues continues yeah. today. So
2: a lot of folks just don't know that we. You know, we're also people. I this me being a little bit negative, but we also tend to be the kind of people that are. There's a. Uh, I'm say this carefully. We're kind of <laughs> narcissistic. I I would say that someone once said it's it's kind of like chronological snobbery. The latest is the greatest. But what that also means then is we because we think that. We don't look at the history or origins of things. Yep. And so, and we just like to assume credit for it. And but
1: it's it's one of those. I, and so, like, I, I so just then don't here's care. This, Of course. Yeah.
2: But then here's <clears throat> this. So the reason why I bring it up, though, is to say that here's this history that took time, relationships, collaboration, and vision. That in some ways is doing very contemporary, forward thinking stuff. Yep. Without all this huge institutional backing, without certain and and so when you're trying to get it so for me i got to come in on the tail end of some of that and yep. get a get a front seat to it and that's the kind of stuff that inspired me to envision yeah. what Shaco art space is and, a different thing but it gave me uh proximity and license it, it, yep. it, it inspired me I, I was like there's more there's thing. if i can see how y'all are doing this this isn't this is like an opportunity to maybe do something in the future and i remember being so inspired by that like so like in some oh, ways, I think, the, the, I
1: think that some of the, the, yeah, you you were here. Like again, like I feel like I was lucky that a Richard was here. Yep. He, you know, he, like you know, he he believed in me. Yeah. And so like we worked together. He didn't like. I, it was like you know, he, granted he was my boss and of course, but he never treated me like I was. You know, it was like an equal partnership and how. We did, you know, like we sat in his office multiple times, discussed how we should run different things. Like, you know, the James Hyde, which was the first show at Solvent Space was, I suggested that because I'd seen this piece that he, would it was actually a different piece because the one piece we were trying to bring wouldn't have fit in the space, but I'd seen it and he'd cut, like James had done a visiting artist thing here. And, um, and then they eventually, they formed a committee for Solvent Space, which, Mm -hmm. You know, like I understand that, but sometimes again, like sometimes the it, rigidity of stuff sometimes that's right. gets a little yeah. goofy. Um, but, I, you know, I just, I feel lucky that, um, you know, like that I have good friends that, mm-hmm. you know, that actually like believed in me, you know.
2: Well, one thing we, Gareth and I always, we talk about a lot and Gareth and I have known each other since, we've been friends since 2011 is, and we used to do these critiques together and, and you know, it was always a, sta- a saying is it's important to both, know and be known by each other the deeper those relationships go i think the more uh fertile uh the the soil is for creativity and um bringing bringing things about and so i think what i love about your story is that you've been embedded in relationships that were not contingent upon now i because i've driven with you to new york to install shows (laughs) you know what i mean like there's a lot a lot of dirty work yeah Yeah. that was a great trip a lot a lot of work behind the work yep um, that just and that's unseen. the thing, like
1: that was Richard was still the chair then, yeah. And see, like that's again, that's another example. It's like he just trusted me to like take care of everything, and and which I did. And, but yeah, it's I mean I just and and this goes back to our earlier conversation about being like an extroverted introvert or whatever comfortably like i just don't care Mm -hmm. if people know who i am like i don't mind it Mm -hmm. like but i just i'm not out there going look at me because i just yeah i'm not i don't know it's hard to like i'm just not i'm not doing things for reasons to be known or popular or whatever like and this i hate this phrase like trying to live my best life but i'm like i i am like i'm I mean, my got like, I've, I've played music in front of 10,000 people. Like I could have been drafted to play baseball. I have like people that collect my work, like, like life's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I have a business that I really believe in and what we're doing and excited about what we're doing. So it's just like, I, you know, while there's things that obviously like suck in the world or whatever and, yeah. and, and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, personal things can suck and, but, but it's like, I just try to like, you know, I said, I'm an optimist. Like I try to like focus on things that are exciting to me. And my, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if you think about this stuff. I think you probably do. I don't know if you do, but I mean, we make art <laughs> like that's crazy to me. Yeah. And we get to teach art. I mean, like yeah. that is. No, I, I I just like, so when, when people, I don't know, like, I think there's enough crap in the world it's like I'm just I'm trying to bring a positive sense to things um, and without like saying, look at me, look at me like I would much rather like sit in the background and have the business like take off in, in cool ways because other things are happening. But like I'm also again, like usually I'm the, f- the, the one that does the interviews for our business. Or whatever and again I'm comfortable with that it doesn't mm-hmm. you know it doesn't bother me but it's just like I don't want it to be about me like I'm trying to help, and I say I'm trying to help inspire people yeah um, without
3: yeah without getting in look at me I'm inspiring yeah. people that's right you know? yeah, yeah 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 Yeah, I think in, you know my classes there's a there's always that point every semester where students make that turn yep. where they've gone from I'm having a good time to now I'm completely overwhelmed yep um, and it's Oops. always a time where the, the conversations in class, like you can just feel them take a nosedive yep. and they just go all negative. Yep. <laughs> and so um, I always remind them, like, hey, just think of the fact that we live in a world where everything is dealt with to such an extent that you get to spend four plus years learning art. Yep. That, that, that's a fantastic idea. I mean, the that's fact a lucky that lucky thing. And I was like, you don't have to wake up in the morning and go worry about the food that's growing outside of your house, because that's how you eat tonight. Yep. Instead you get to grab something off a shelf at a store and spend 12, 16 hours of your day yep. doing this stuff. And that's pretty amazing. Um, it,
1: it, it is like, an, I mean, it's, you know, like I can say this now as an older person, you know, like I, you know, thinking back about, I can't remember what you were saying, but I don't want to be like that old crotchety. Oh, it's about technology or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, like, I think there's benefits and, and deterrence to everything. It's like, I think technology is awesome. Like in some ways, in some ways, I think it's kind of not great. Yeah. Um, But I, you know, like, if I put myself the 20 year old self, like I remember how much I struggled with stuff back then. And like how hard things were. So it's like, I always try to like, listen and it, yeah. that's i think the big thing is i don't think enough people listen i think everybody thinks they know everything and not everybody like that's been way too <laughs> broad brush stroke yeah but like i think people just just definitely a temptation stop.
2: for us as people this is yeah. just kind of think we're right all the time. yeah
1: yeah. And it's a human, I think it's a human. And again, I don't, I wouldn't have said this 30 years ago. Sure. Because I would have been, you're, you're too yeah, busy being like, right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, duh. <laughs> 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 well, come on, <laughs> write a book on the things that I've done, right. And it'd be a short book. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get to the business
2: and I think just, uh, and so I'm torn because I, I mean, uh, the painting and your, 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 uh, where where the hell is Ron Johnson? Track, ah, we didn't even you talk take. about that at all. I know. So I'm just saying, like, there's this thing you do, you know, and you and it's where the hell is Ron Johnson, and and you yes. travel, and it correlates to the painting. And so I do want to talk about the painting, and then I want to talk about the business, okay? If we can. Yeah. I mean, the paintings are one of my all time favorite painters. So
1: that's that's, that's legit. Yeah. No, it's legit. Well, that's, yeah. You know, I mean, thank you. I'm not good with compliments too. I know like, you're That's, that's like, why I do it. That, 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 so I'm like turning red. One hundred percent. Hair's falling out. That's actually the one thing I wanted to say about Bev the other day is like she always used to, um, she always used to know how to get me um, uncomfortable, like on in, in a good way. Like she would, she would always try to like flirt with me with, you know, like to get people to flirt with me because she, she would know I would just turn beet red. And by Bev, yeah. we're talking about Bev. Bev Reynolds, Reynolds yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was amazing. So uh, contribution um, to Richmond. But I yeah, so every year for. I think, what is it, 16, 15 of the last 16 years, I think, is what it is. I get in my car and drive out west.
2: Just you alone, or do you bring Me a partner? And I, well, my dog. That's right. <laughs> well, make sure you don't yes. forget.
1: No, well, so, no, it's, I'm trying to remember if I took... Yeah, I did. T- I took Nutmeg, which was my old dog. One, One of my t- favorite dog names, I, by she, the way. Nutmeg? Nutmeg,
2: Nutmeg. Yeah. yeah. Shea's pretty good. Name's, Shea's pretty named good.
1: Named after Shea Stadium. Um, get in the car and, and go out for... You know, upwards of a month away. Um, and I just go out and drive around, take thousands upon thousands of pictures, usually like over 50% of the pictures of me driving 80 miles an hour and just taking pictures. So some of the pictures are like awesome because of that, I think. Um, and then I come back and that is the, like the starting point for a painting. I don't look at photographs to make opinion, but they're landscape based, I guess, is the best way to say it. And it's not about a specific space. Um, it's more about the experience. So a lot of what I actually think I really love about the West is the vastness of stuff and you know what they call the big sky and it just, it just feels endless. Like, um, and I just love that kind of feeling of being out there. Um, I will move there someday. I hope, um, yeah.
2: And that produces this this these this work not directly indirectly but it produces it, it has a correlation to your your painting practice your studio
0: Oh practice. yeah.
1: Yeah yeah. Yeah again, again I don't like it's actually it's it's super backwards cuz I don't I don't look at pictures when I'm painting.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: that's not part of it it's again it's more about the experience but it's fun for me to actually after I finish a painting to go back and try to find a photo that actually Make sense in that. Yeah. Um, a visual sense. Yeah. yeah. And it's that that's actually, which is super backwards. Right. But I think I do tons of things super backwards. Right. So that super looks,
2: backwards landed you a Pollock Krasner.
1: Right. It did. It did. Yes. Yeah. Talk about so that. I want a Pollock Krasner. Yeah.
2: What's a Pollock Krasner? Sounds no, like a sandwich. I have no idea, but it, <laughs> I'll have a Pollock Krasner. Hold the mayo. Hold the mayo.
1: Um, yeah. It, it, uh Jackson Pollock and um, Lee. Lee Krasner. <laughs> We finish. Sorry. Do you think I just <laughs> forgot it? it Lee a it's a, it's like, it's, Don't forget it's, Lee. It's a, um, it's just a grant that you have to apply to. And, um, but you know, you said earlier about succeeding as a student, like I've never ever, like as a student ever won anything like ever, never got in any shows. So this was like, I remember distinctly, I was actually on the phone with my business partner and I, I got the letter. and I was like, Oh, here's here's a letter where I get rejected by the thing. And I opened it up, and I was just like, Holy shit! Like I couldn't. I mean, I was. It was. I was shocked. Yeah. And then been, an hour. Did you cry? Late, I would have cried. I was. I was just. I was kind of blown away. Yeah. And then an hour later that same day, Chris called me back, and we had gotten a verbal to work with Vernon Davis. Yeah. Um. So it was like one of those days. Where it was just like, Wow. So you know. talk
2: about that. So you've been, teaching at v- just a, you've been teaching at VC for quite some time, contributing a lot of ways, and then you start this. This uh, I would say it intimate, intense relationship with art making. I mean, so you've you've formed relationships. You're you're in the milieu for a long time. You're you're really absorbing yep. a lot. You're you're contributing a lot. Um, you've you've started things that are actually persisting. So you've experienced. Uh, there's an entrepreneurial spirit to it. I didn't even think to be an artist. Even alone by yourself is entrepreneurial and daring in a way. When you endeavor to do something that someone's not telling you to do, that's a pretty compelling space to live in. And then you deal about scalability and this kind of thing. So you've been swimming in this, in yeah. all these spheres. I mean, you, when you determine to step on the playing field or whatever, and so uh, you see this pressing forward and then you get into the abstract athlete. And that then, I mean, talk about that. Like, what is that? That's, so this is the business, but also this is, uh, stuff you've done at university with teaching and, and a correlation between abstract athlete and some art and athletics stuff that you've done. And so, which is really powerful.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, it is probably um, some of the most rewarding stuff that, and I don't think we've even gotten to, the, you know, where we're going to be. Like, well, that's the hope. Right, um, that's right. But I, you know, yeah, so Chris and I, um, like I said earlier, we, we met working at a record store in in um, Columbus, Ohio. And just immediately, like, you know, it was like one of those, uh, we, we have the same likes, like, we're both Fletch heads. You know, Fletch, the movie. Yeah, classic. Like, so, I mean, Six-four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the Afro. Um, and so we really kind of bonded over that. And so we've always been in touch, you know, like, as friends. And actually, he's lived out in Colorado for... I think over 10 years at this point. And so every time, like when I'm on my trip out west, I would usually stop by and visit. So probably about four years ago, I mean, we've always kind of wanted to do something together. He, and he's a toy he was he's a, a toy design, designer. Right? Yeah, he a toy. so he actually has two toy companies that he's that, you know, him and a couple business partners have started. Um, Begin Again is the more recent one. The one the original one was Sprig Toys. And it's all sustainable materials. So again, like, you know, giving back to, you know, like, and really talking about the planet and, you know, like benefiting us as humans and all these things. So, um, so we, it's uh, probably about four and a half years ago, started kind of bouncing some ideas around, um, you know, like different things. And then we kind of started getting on this, you know, well, we're both, we both were high level athletes growing up. Um, but we're both creatives now and really started talking about this and it's, I mean, it changes daily still about how, you know, where things are growing and, um, the potential of this, um, but we, you know, like we started talking about how beneficial, you know, creativity is to our minds, like the mental health aspect of mental wellness. It depends on how you want to say it. Um, and how beneficial, beneficial it is, but also like thinking about it in a in a sense of being an athlete and the, the idea of practice, but also like how does that how does that idea go back onto the artists? Like, you know, what if you took a the rigidity of, of an athlete's practice into an art world? You know, like and so like there was a lot of things that we were initially talking about, um and yeah, like it's I mean it's hard to like think back about it yeah. because it's really like it goes It goes all over the place because again, like this goes back to the lab comment Mm -hmm. to me because it's inventing, Mm -hmm. like we, this isn't a restaurant or a coffee shop. It's not like there's a template for it. We're just kind of like, well, we could do this. Yeah, we could, we Mm -hmm. could totally do that. And so it's been like a year and a half ago we had our first event actually here in Richmond. Um, We did an exhibition at 1708 Gallery um, and we did a symposium that day also at the, the Washington Redskins facilities in mm-hmm. town and since we're working with Vernon Davis like we had to do it and there say who, for those Vernon no Davis words. is a tight end for the Redskins yep. but he he's played with the 49ers um, but he's an artist too yep. like so that's the thing is like so yeah they kind of backtracked so we started kind of looking for professional athletes that are also artists They could be retired or continuing to play or whatever. And we also work with veterans because again, we think about a veteran being like the highest level of training. Mm -hmm. Um, so the same kind of scenario, but also deal with like, you know, high stressors, like whether it's potentially like CTE or TBIs or, you know, PTSD and like how, again, like these, the practice of, of being creative, like it, it benefits them. And so we were like, just I mean some of the most random ways to get a hold of people, like Tony Mandrich, for instance, I sent a message to him, I think, on Instagram first. Same way with Brett Tomko. And Tony Mandrich, like, has been on the cover of Sports Illustrated twice. They just actually did an E60. But he got back to us, you know, like, and now we, you know, we work with him. And he's just the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And he's an amazing photographer. Talks about how, you know, his love of photography actually started from that first um, Sports Illustrated shoot. Wow, interesting. And like that to me is like really cool. Like it's where, a great connection point. Exactly, yeah. like entry points. of, Like one of the guys we work with, Percy King, you know, he said he was always creative growing up, but you know, he played football and he like played in the pros for, you know, a minute. And, and then he, like when he was done, he started doing carpentry work, but then he started Doing his kind of own carpentry work that like eventually became these amazing three dimensional wood sculptures of you know and and again, I just love the way that how they enter but you know Vernon davis uh, he did an interview for um for us on one of the local sports stations, and just remembering him saying like you know, its potential of creativity could like benefit people that have CTE or, mm-hmm. or TBIs. And just having, you know, that kind of voice speak to what we're trying to deal with is pretty amazing. And, you know, even at the symposium, you know, here's this guy that's played pro football for 14 years and he's answering a question and he said, art is the foundation of my life. And, you know, most people would not know that. Right. But to have him say that and, and again, like the one thing you know we, we obviously have this component that we you know we think this is a really great way to deal with mental health for everybody and it's not just for professional athletes or for or for veterans, but this is for everybody. everybody has stressors and to have to be able to work with, These athletes, you know, we could walk in a room with somebody that's like six foot four, 250 pounds or whatever, and everybody looks at them and they know this is a professional, you know, or they know who it is and this is a professional, but then to have them talk about art and how meaningful it is to them, that's inspiring. And like, not just to kids, that's inspiring to adults because, you know, like we talked about earlier, it's like everybody's creative. Most people just stop. Well, here's a way to get back into it. Yep. And so like that to me becomes
2: Well, you know, I think about this too. You know, I'm sure you think about someone and you overassume their stature and their size. Absolutely. And it comes with a set of expectations of yep. like force and strength and um but there's a precedence like there's football players that took ballet to yep. work on footwork or Lynn Swan. Yeah, Lynn Swan. So so you think But of, it
1: was like they were thought of as see that's why I think it is changing. That's right. Um, but like back, you know, back when you and I were growing up, it's like you were either an athlete or you were an artist. And that's why, you know, you and I probably like said earlier, it's like, I don't know where we fit in in some ways.
2: That's right. And so it's changing. And so you're starting to see like, like there's a holistic nature to human beings. And so when we start to deal with the totality of the person, no matter who they are, um, there starts to become more of a correlation between their activities and the benefits and the outcomes and the and the moving away from certain things which gets back to what you were saying about art really having a place in advancing human beings like it plays a vital role yep. and so but we then we typecast people athletes what veterans yep. and we assume that because they specialized that they are a specialized individual to the detriment of everything what, else yeah everything else and we do that all the time with each other and so then so then you know i think some of the you know what you do I think what Gareth and I are doing with Shaco Art Space and this podcast and some other stuff I mean you start to push on those assumptions and you say there's a more expanded field here of opportunity and actually it's not arbitrary like uh, spending time over here like you were saying doodling, drawing being acquainted in intimate ways with touch heightens your sense of when you're exerting touch in a more powerful way over here this could serve as the expressive outlet kind of like what I was saying with youth music uh, someone might say, well, the sounds you are making connotate violence, but the manner with which you're expressing those and what it's oriented towards is a kind of redemptive thing because you're not actually acting in violence. instead you're expressing a state of emotions yep. that um, lands in a way that alleviates that, possibly connects with other people that are looking to alleviate that or or repurpose it. you know heaven forbid you can repurpose something and redeem it from a, an apparent detriment to an apparent benefit. And so when you start looking at um the ways we're spending our time and uh athletes traveling all the time or i mean think of all, also think of all the experience they accumulate and then they're done because i mean for a lot of one of the hardest things for athletes is when you're done yeah the landing. you're done yep and and you know Kobe and it's early it's early too because you're not a, an old person yep. uh, Kobe bryant's a great example of that in terms of preparing himself for life yep. post sports uh, so he already he was starting to write stories and do things way early. Yep. I think I think what you're doing is exciting to me because you're actually providing an avenue for these athletes to start to see themselves uh, in a community that they're welcomed into uh, with opportunities. And I think the potential
1: yeah. benefit to the communities like is huge as well. Like again, that inspiration. Like we developed this, it's a, we're calling it a creative training journal, and we're already getting some professional athletes to actually use them. And again, like that idea, you know, I have like these crazy ideas, but I do this in my class. Um, It's like, what if a pitcher, for instance, after they're done pitching an inning comes into the dugout and just sketched Mm -hmm. or doodled or whatever, instead of looking at the charts. And so my my thing is like a pitcher knows how to pitch at that point, Mm -hmm. you know? They don't really need to look at the charts because they know. Yeah, what they, they do.
2: should know it at that point. Right.
1: They, if they're doodling, they're like really clearing their mind. So like when they go back out there, they're refreshed. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of like that cycle of, and I'm I'm, I'm making it really dramatic. but sure. put, Can you put some music behind yeah. this? It? Like, dun, 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 dun. yeah, and so. But it becomes like this this thing where this decompression benefits within that, the, the field of play. Right. Like I, you know, the the way that I do it in my class and this is what I, you know, Chris and I are hoping for again in, in the real space, like business people, like whoever it is. It's like, okay, so artists, I want you guys to do something physical before you go to your studio. Let me know. Like, did you, did you notice any difference? Because again, like when you work out, You're popping off the brain in a different way. So athletes, I want you to do something creative before you have a game or practice. Did you notice anything? And so like those kind of things, I think, become like really interesting. Um, And it also just like, again, like throwing the dumb jocks and the art nerds in the room together.
2: And then they find out that they're not dumb and they're not nerds.
0: Exactly. You know what I mean? like yep. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, using yeah, yeah, yeah. air quotes when yeah, I say yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, you're being you're being you're I'm being both. ironic. Yeah, right. you're
2: saying that that's actually a misnomer. Absolutely, It needs to be busted down. Yep. Yep.
1: And yeah, we're we're knocking. That so you're walls. so you're
2: doing. You're, I mean, I I'm, you're you have abstract athlete, but then you have art and athletics. Yep. Which and so talk about talk about a little bit about. Art and athletics at VCU, and well, I mean, it was born out of the
1: business. I mean, it was like that same; it's the same stuff. But But it's just
2: like you have some great stories with art. art. I mean, I've seen some of the shows. Yep. And so, talk a little bit about about like just the impact on people's lives with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like it's been like again. I said it's the most rewarding. Like, well, let me try to think. One, so one of the stories, like, so I had a um, one of my soccer players emailed me after the semester was over. And he just said, you know, while this class was really great, and and I know you really believe in this, I want you to know that I, you know, by the end, I really did as well. He said, I was injured this semester, which I didn't know, um, you know, so I didn't get to play, and so this class was really important for my mental health, mm. and like I think that's one of the things, like obviously I can go and teach art; I've been teaching art for, but I think with the athletes. I've, I was there, like I lived that. Being redshirted is like being hurt because sure. you don't get to play. It's like all you get to do is practice. And that's a lot. Like, I mean, we would have four hour practices every day and then you need to go do your homework. And, you know, it's like, it's a lot for a student. And so I think they the ability for them to come talk to me in that sense, like Chris and I coined the phrases that we're art coaches, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think is, you know, it's yeah. a good phrase, but. Um, And then, like so, like some of the other stuff that I think, just how how things like come about, like um, so. I had a class where I had a a student; she was in the painting department, and then I had um, another student. She was a track um, athlete. I can't remember what, like two hundred, I think was what she ran. Um, I actually went to one of her meets. I always try to go to the whoever whatever sport they play, I try to go see at least one game or one match or whatever. Um, But so there was one night that the painting student posted her doing something in the art building and the track athlete saw it on Instagram and sent a message and went over and helped her. And, and, you know, like, and she tells the story, it's like, you know, I would have the, the, the um, athletic dorms are right next to the art building, but she said she would have never gone into that building. And she was, she graduated like, so this was her last semester in school, but she would have never gone there had it not been for this class or this moment. And that idea of like collaboration, the idea of two people from, you know, again, air quotes, different worlds working together, talking like that is, is that not what education is about what teaching
2: produce that? Yeah.
1: And, and to me, it's like, you know, like that's where I get like the chills. Like like, this actually works. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's data of like how we're, we're knocking down these cultural barriers. We're knocking down these stereotypes. We're knocking down walls.
2: Mm -hmm. Can Um, can you talk about, so Gareth and I have definitely run into sometimes like when we, when you look at what we're doing with Shaka R Space, sometimes, uh, some of what we do rubs against some of some of those assumptions, and you get some yep. people that get mad at you. Have you have you met have you I mean not not to go into details and incriminate oh, yeah. anybody anybody in general in particular, but in general have you have you have you been met with any kind of resistance? Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've I've had in the business in well, I mean, both world. I mean, in the business, I've 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 had people say that you know the the artists the athletes or artists we work with are not real artists. Mm-hmm. And my, my, I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't respond to that, but in my head, I'm like, what, w- what's your definition of real artist?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I
1: don't have one.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, one thing that is standing out that's kind of popped in my head when you've been talking around is the, the idea that I can't think of any two groups on a college campus that would have uh, improvisation as a central part of what they do more than athletes and artists. And I think, you know, people will hear improvisation and they're like, Oh yeah, just kind of making crap up as you go. I'm like, no, like true, like true improvisation yep. to work well has a large amount of training. You have to have a, a huge abundance of knowledge and expertise within a field to, uh, to actually improv on something really well. And that's, um, I think that's something that's fantastic. I couldn't think of any other two groups besides athletes and artists that share that, where they work so hard to be able to perform within a specific moment yep. um and i think that, that connection is really interesting um because in any any sport you're playing anything that's going on you're uh you're constantly kind of taking in information and adjusting yourself toward that um and i think and that's you know, ca- one reason why failure is okay with it that's having, right having
1: having the and again it's not just it's not just for athletes and artists even though that's the name of the class i mean Mm -hmm. i've had you know medical students i've had science students like it's really truly open to anybody sure that wants to be there but it's it is wild like the class i mean because it's kind of an incubator and again like how i teach it's like it's not a painting class it's not a drawing class it's a creative class so the literally the first class that i taught I had a a, um, a woman tennis player would come in with an acoustic guitar, and she would play acoustic guitar. I had baseball players that hadn't painted ever, like maybe they're, when they were five or whatever, painting. I had one of my painting students doing performance art. This is all at the same time, and so like I'm just, like I would just walk in the room and just like oh my, like it's to me again. That's what creativity is like yeah. having that that energy, in that space, and just the way that they buy into it both, you know, the, the, the so-called artists and the so-called well, not their athletes, but the, you know, like, I don't want to like pigeonhole that. That's right. Yeah. But,
2: but just some of the cultural stereotypes that, yep. that tend to really lock people in and, yep. and we don't allow them to be more, you know, in many ways. Um, yeah, more than what they actually are. Um, no,
1: so it's, I, you know, like, again, I, I, I say it's some of the most rewarding stuff and maybe I'm being biased because like, I, helped create this stuff, but it is. Like, yeah. it's just super.
2: Well, it seems to connect with your story. Where Where do you, what, what are some of the organizations you've worked with, uh, with the Abstract Athlete team Um, different events or things that stand we out just,
1: to you? Uh, we're doing something with, uh, we did something with the Florida Panthers last year. We're doing, we're working on this year's event. Probably gonna try to expand it. We're actually working with a doctor that works with the Panthers and the Miami Marlins and the NBA like so there's a lot of potential like where different things can open up we we've had um, which if
2: you're working with the NBA Gareth and I are actually get to right be, there right uh, there we're gonna, we're gonna no get, but like i mean gonna again run some like just, for you. just
1: yesterday they announced that the NBA is going to have a mental wellness doctor or or i don't know mm-hmm. like who or what what their qualifications but on every team yeah and that to me is like wow okay like people are really starting to get it yeah um We are in discussions with the Atlanta Braves to do something. We're gonna do it this year, but I think just timing-wise. Sure. um, But hopefully, gonna do something next year. Um, Who else? Did something with the local uh, squirrels team. Did a pop-up exhibition, and that's cool. Like again, like just to see like when people walk into a baseball and see like see walls up with artwork on it, and how it like. You I know, mean, it's almost like a double take, but then they get into it and then they start looking and stuff. It's it's
0: pretty cool. Well, what
2: I love, too, is sometimes art is not. So we, we want we want to go into these spaces. like I love going to a museum quietly. Yep. I love to go to galleries when after the opening, when yep. barely anyone's there. I, uh, I, I intensely value those kinds of experiences They're They're so critical. We wouldn't be doing a gallery if we didn't think that. But I also love the idea that you're not diminishing that by bringing art into greater view in places that maybe are unexpected, like a, yep. a baseball event. You know, like I think about like kids coming into seeing that vision, yep. uh, and what that Again, it knocks down walls. Yeah, so then they're, they're freed up to envision something entirely uh, more holistic for themselves. Like their whole conception
3: of things is gonna be very different than maybe any of ours was coming up. Yeah, yep. I mean, it makes it a much more vital and broad ranging thing, as it is. It's just exposing the truth for what it is. Uh, Um, instead of, instead of trying to like create some new reality for it or something like that, it's very much the same. No, it's always been like this, but we've throughout human history, we've been very good at kind of segmenting things into very discrete parts that make it easier for us to control them or something else. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's fantastic because taking things out of context, I think it makes other things stand out because if you think about just as a designer, as you're talking about sports, I'm just thinking about how much visual culture, is necessary in professional ath- athletics. Athletes. I mean, like overwhelming. The amount of money that teams spend to get their colors and their shades and their tones and just you, right. Wouldn't you rather oh have a painting
1: done by LeBron James with an with his autograph on it than just an autograph of a picture of him? Because then it's sure, it's yeah. a one of a kind. Like yeah, yeah. it becomes like this and not to not to monetize it or commodify it or whatever, but it becomes like this really intimate relationship with the artist. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I don't know, it just becomes like, again, it's it's kind of a fun way to like deal with something that's serious. Well, yeah.
2: also the arts yeah. sometimes, I and mean, this is the things I think we're all, we have in common is we're trying to bust down these walls. Yep. And uh, how many artists, how many athletes um, resign themselves to the fact that they've got these interests that are never gonna be able to get brought forward. Yep. And so by creating an awareness and starting to create bridges or uh, bridge gaps create avenues, you're also creating uh, future hope and possibility for athletes. So when they come in early, they can lay claim to their uh, ambitions to be a culture maker in a multitude of ways, in, including their athletics, but also their art. And so then they can step in more, you know, because like, I mean, I, I think about Wayman Tisdale. He was like a jazz. Yep.
1: Uh, uh, oh, he's serious. Serious. You know, well, it's like Bernie Williams is like a classical guitar player. Yeah. I, mean, he, I think he actually won a Latin Grammy. Yeah. As uh, a matter of fact, because like, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Going back to your question of who, like, the other thing is to what's really cool to Chris and I is like, so we have events or, you know, workshops scheduled with Vanderbilt and Georgia, um, both universities. And we're also like starting to have a couple high schools that we're talking to. So it's like that ability to like work with more students all the way up through, you know, professional athletes. And then how, again, like how it filters out to the community and the understanding, you know, cause we're, we're always about the give back. We're not a non-for-profit, we're what's called a B corporation. So like you think about B corporation, Patagonia would be like our model, mm-hmm. but this idea is like, okay, we are, we are for profit, but there's a give back component. So like if we do like one of the things we're talking about with, with the Florida Panthers is like, okay, we're going to do this event at the game on saturday night but maybe we could do something with a local school on friday
2: mm-hmm. that's great
1: and so like that that's always this idea is like when we're doing these more uh put together event pop up exhibitions or whatever is like we're always paying attention like to the, the potential of like an underserved space in the community we're doing something because again I, that's i think that's meaningful yeah you know, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's meaningful for somebody to look at my painting, but like there's, here's another way or what, you know, to give back like that. I just, it, like I keep you saying, it's like super rewarding, but it is like, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So
2: that's awesome, man. You, uh, we got any closing questions <laughs> for any crazy last game stories, anything you want to, anything wild we should know about you, Ron? Anything you haven't told the world oh,
1: yet? Oh, there's stuff that's coming that. I know. I, I'm scared. It, you should be. Yeah.
2: It's like a storm.
1: It is. It is like a storm.
2: <laughs> it's a hurricane. Rocky like a hurricane. Okay. Didn't we write a song called Speedboat? Yeah. We sure did. Yeah. Well, <laughs> album. You didn't
0: even let me finish. <laughs> it was, the that,
2: album was, was w- the New- well, that was the
1: trip to New that was the trip back from New was York. That was the trip
2: back to New York and we the album was called All the Coke Money Can Buy. Yeah. But it was just Ron and I um, with really short cut-off jean shorts loading a bunch of Coca Cola into a speedboat. Um
1: It was like Miami Vice. Yeah. Don Johnson, Ron Johnson. That's right. Ooh. Yeah, I never even. No, I'm just kidding. you never thought. Yeah, you um, hundred percent.
2: Yeah. Where no, can we'll we, do this again? Hundred yeah. percent. I think. I think we. I, I'd love to get back in. You know, uh, with some time and see how some of this is unfolding because I think it's worth checking in on. Yeah. And uh, where can we find more about the abstract athlete?
1: Uh, Theabstractathlete.com. And is by the way, it's called the the abstract athlete with our little praise to the ohio state university yeah i see that um yeah you can see it there um we're on instagram uh facebook um where else would we be twitter
2: Where, where can people see your work
1: uh the next event not is is in in florida okay so um we do like we have a couple random things that we're doing that we might be doing well, uh, yeah. this is maybe one of the, the surprise things, but we might be doing some little weird, um, not weird, kind of this interesting um, thing in town in Richmond. Okay. So
2: what about, what about your paintings? Where can people see your paintings? I mean, I brag about uh, your paintings. So. Reynolds Gallery. Awesome gallery. Um,
1: yeah. They, yeah, they're like amazing. Again, I feel like extraordinarily lucky to be there. Um, it's kind of like, again, like an Some of my favorite artists show at Reynolds. Yep. Yep. extended family like Julia and Alice and Janie yep um, and you know it, it, I, I feel lucky yeah so um, they usually have a piece upstairs hanging I won't have a show there for another two years at least so I just had one last last fall right and so. you've
2: got a I mean this is in our documentary that's coming out the Builder Ron's actually in this yep. it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting but you might get a shot at his studio and he has a <laughs> ton of work yeah it i'm a is, nut yes. but i a, go,
1: that goes back to being an athlete to it's me prolific. it's like that idea of practice mm, like yeah. i have to make it's not it's not i mean it's a have to it's a it.
2: yeah yeah that's actually not an overstatement some people say that and you go you look in their studio and there's like nothing in there that is not true of you yeah, yeah, and i've uh, known you for a long time so i'm like i know that that's not true of you yeah. it's, it's kind of freaky I of not yeah. about you.
1: It's, I would be. I, it's probably Gareth why. Gareth and
2: I talked. This is actually an intervention, Gareth. <laughs> Gareth, we, uh, we never good even cop, bad cop. Bring it in, Gareth. We, well, we, it's, why, gotta, it's why I'm single. Yeah. It's why I'm single. That's true. I
0: mean, I'll be honest with you. Like,
1: Oh, yeah, we're not going to tell the, <laughs> the pre-story of the, the, the...
2: Your streak? Yeah. What was the streak again?
1: Tell us the streak. <laughs> it just got broken. That The six women that I dated, that the next guy they dated, they married... In, in, <laughs> Until recently, I know I thought, somebody told me there's a movie that's like I'm the I'm the I'm, there is a movie about you somewhere. So I'm I'm like the hitter, and then the guy next was the on deck guy, I guess. Yeah. So then,
2: yeah, you just you're driving you're you're driving people to marriage, I, which I don't know that's I don't, I know, don't know what, what that, that, means that means about means you. you that man. That, I don't mean that's to. why we're doing this intervention, right? We're worried about I, you. I
1: would worry too. Yeah. If I wasn't so damn happy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you you and you and Shay.
1: That's a dog right
2: there. Hey, uh, artists and dogs. It's important, right?
1: Absolutely. Studio dogs. Oh, 100%.
2: Yeah. So when Who Let the Dogs came out, that was, a, and that was an important song for you? No. Okay.
1: I hated that song more. And then they, then they were all over baseball doing that song. I know. I, just,
2: I will not let my kids ever hear that song because it will capture their imagination and then they'll sing it. And then I'll, I was tempted to do it. I told Laura, should I do it? And she's like, no, do not let them know about that song.
1: There's, I mean, there's a lot of those one-hit wonder ba- bands at that time period, though. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that, what's the uh, Mambo 5? Yeah. Oh, gosh.
2: I mean, there's like <laughs> oh, tons. No. Help me.
1: Tons of those bands at that time.
2: Yeah. So. Well, I mean, uh, the cool thing is you're not a one-hit wonder, because you're yeah. still doing it, man. Like, I mean, and, and actually, I love seeing, I think just in closing, I love, I think Gareth and I are definitely encouraged and inspired by yeah. the way you're building something that actually bring so many things together and impact so many people. And I think- That's the uh, hope. I mean- yeah. it, I think the big thing to take away too is I think you can, if you want to close this out is to say that, uh, uh, Gareth, is it, just that, uh, I think don't miss the fact that it takes sacrifice and time.
1: It's a ton. Yeah. I mean, it's a ton. Like I'm not joking. I'm on the phone every day with different people. And it that's, that's the crazy part to me is just the random people. Like I'm talking to CEOs Proteins, i'm talking i mean it's just wild yeah like and again like that's the part that's so fun is like i feel like we're inventing something and mm-hmm. um so there's no right or wrong to it kind of like yeah they don't see this
2: conversation coming it's not something no. they, they're having repeatedly <laughs> yeah so you're introducing entirely
3: uh, new conversation yeah and i think there's so much i mean really coming from you know background as an athlete like if you look at, I mean, think of like preseason practice, right? How much stuff you're doing and you're probably yelling at your coach, like, why are we doing this? Gosh, what's the matter with him? You're wasting my time today. I think there's a lot of that sort of, um, I don't know, tenacity towards something that is a big part of professional practice. And it really, like rubber meets the road when you get into things like what you're doing wrong. But
1: do you feel like that the same way, I mean, not to like continue your conversation, a nice but one. I think as an athlete, like I do, like, I was maybe never the most talent. I mean, I mean, I was talented, mm-hmm. but I like I always had that I'm gonna outwork you mentality, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. that's I take that to my studio. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you might be a, a better artist. I don't even know what that means again. Like, I have no idea what the, a better artist means, but you're not gonna outwork me, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that means either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think it's a just, mental
2: mental state you bring to what you can steward and work with and care yeah. for, and so I definitely took that. Um, Work, I mean, I take that into my... Uh, I mean, one thing I think I, I actually instill in my students as freshmen is a hunger for work ethic, yep. where they actually get a taste of it to where... And then they see that it's impacting outcomes in such a pivotal way that then they realize that they're not, they're not being pressed to be pure genius all the time, right. where, where they're constantly kicking out incredible ideas, that everything rests on that. that, that sometimes you can just be in there working until something interesting surprises you. And so right. that work becomes meaningful to the, uh, the uh, relationship because a lot of times in the arts the work hard work doesn't guarantee anything nope. but it sure helps it out a whole a whole mess yeah more than if you're just sitting around waiting for a great idea to kind of emerge out of out of
0: nowhere I
1: think hard work because the, I mean like you're gonna fail more and I think again like failure was I heard a great quote this is a great ending you either win or you learn.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: I don't remember where I heard that, but I actually mm-hmm. really like that because it's not, it's not losing. Mm-hmm. It's learning.
3: That's right. Yep. It's definitely, I think it's going to be fantastic to see, um, what's coming up on the horizon for y'all, yep. what you're doing. Um, I know that we're, we're eager to look, uh, look and see what's going to be happening with it for sure. because um, I think we're all, moving in the same direction to try to make, you know, a, a better, more holistic idea of how arts and creativity impact our, yeah. our cultures that we live in. And so thank you so much, Ron, for yeah. uh, joining thank us today. Thank you, Ron. It's been great, um, man. And as always, everybody listening, thank you so much for uh, your attention, your support, and uh, with any uh, questions or ideas you have, just get in contact with us. So thanks for being a part, and we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, non-profit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.